Welcome to the Read Your Name podcast. I am, as always, Jordan. With me on the show tonight, we have Chris. Hey, what's and up? And Sam. Hello. Uh, for those of you who are in the know, you probably know what we're going to talk about this week. We're going to devote the entire hour to the Breaking Bad series finale. We're going to talk about our thoughts on the episode, our thoughts on how it fits into the bigger picture. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and give the warning at the top of the show this week. If you have not seen Breaking Bad, if you've not seen all of Breaking Bad, including the finale, you're going to probably want to turn this off because we're going to take the gloves off pretty quick here. We're going to spoil things left, right, and upside down. Um, we're going to spoil some things you didn't even know what the show was about. That's how crazy we're going to go here. I'm going to so, spoil the little stuff, like what yeah. people were wearing. Like we're going to talk about choices. we're going to talk about what they were wearing. We're going to talk about some angles the camera was at at particular points. And you don't want to know this stuff if you haven't seen the episode. So take this as a stronger warning than probably ever before to jump off now. Go watch the 62 episodes of Breaking Bad and then come listen to this podcast. Or you know if you just haven't seen the finale yet, go watch that one episode and then come back to us. Um, with that, I, I am taking the gloves off. Chris, you can start talking about the government shutdown, which is still a thing going on now. Our shutdown podcast was shut down last night due to technical difficulties. So this is the Breaking Bad podcast take two for us. The government is still shut down. Chris, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I'm just going to say right now, this podcast's unstuck in time quality aside, I'm calling <laughs> it right now. By the time that this airs, the government is still shut down. You guys, we are in a shutdown right now. The government is shut down. Just think about that for a second. <laughs> think about it. Chris is making bold predictions here on the show. Sam, what do you say? By the time this podcast comes out, do we have a government? Um, well, you know, we still have a government, right? <laughs> yes, I understand how the shutdown works. I there, was, there are still calling. laws. Well, I need to make some calls real quick then. It is not the snowpocalypse. The only time the laws of man do not apply during snowpocalypse. snowpocalypse we learned that the hard way we sure did all right um so now that we've had our our shutdown <laughs> talk and dated the podcast as we occasionally like to do last in, in take one of the podcasts we actually dated it the more specifically than we ever have before but now i'm gonna leave it a little bit more ambiguous you only know this is being recorded during the shutdown um for now why don't we shift our gears and start talking about breaking bad the gloves are coming off chris what were your thoughts on the finale uh, I really like the finale, uh, and I know that uh, we're going to get into the more specifics very soon. And so I just want to say up front that I thought it was an excellent episode of Breaking Bad. I really enjoyed it. I felt very satisfied by it. I would not call it a perfect episode of Ains, but going into this season with such high expectations and this finale specifically with even higher expectations, given how good the final season itself has been – I think it's impossible to have watched the finale with anything but uh, almost unmeetable expectations because when the show when the show has been so on point for so long, uh, you almost make it impossible to really stick the landing. And I think we're going to we have uh, differences in how much we really enjoyed the finale and what we really got out of it and how much we enjoyed the final season versus the finale, but I, I really want, I feel that I would feel very confident in adding this to a list of very satisfying television finales. And I think that's a very elite club of shows that maintained and increased in quality throughout their entire run and really ended in a way that was very satisfying to the longtime fans. So I think that 
I can very confidently say job very, very well done, Vince Gilligan. Breaking Bad enters that elite club, in my opinion. All right, Sam, what about you? Uh, initial thoughts on the finale? Uh, I, I I really like the finale. I thought um, I thought that it, it definitely stuck the landing, and I was not disappointed by the, uh, the finale. Um, there were some things that felt a little bit off to me, but I think overall it was a very, very, very good conclusion to the story. And I think it was, it was, um, it was I think it was a good ending for the show. I'm, I, I'm not disappointed at all. I think the performances in this episode as send offs to these characters was great. Um, I'm happy with it. I thought, I thought there were some things that, uh, were kind of more interesting than others. Um, but yeah, I, I have mixed feelings about parts of the episode, but overall I think it was a really great finale. Um, I can't complain about it. It's pretty Excellent. bad. It's still good. Yeah, I, I would say, um, I think, you know, Vince Gilligan in interviews about the finale said that he, he thought that most viewers would be satisfied by it. And that's the word I feel like I most want to use when I'm talking about the finale is like, it was satisfying. I don't yeah. think it was an incredible hour of television. I don't think it uh, was among the best hours of even Breaking Bad. I don't think it was an all-time great finale, but I was satisfied. I feel like we got we got a, a closure. Um, the narrative tied itself up in ways that were perhaps a little bit predictable. Um, and I think, I think I did, for the most part, you know, and not me, but I think generally people talking about the finale... We did sort of have an idea what was going to happen in the episode, and it did mostly play how I expected it to, which is strange for Breaking Bad, which that it's a show that usually confounds my expectations. But it played about how I expected it to, and what I expected was to be satisfied at the end of it. So I guess it worked out pretty well. Yeah, I think satisfying is like like the best word to describe it. It definitely wasn't the best episode of Breaking Bad. It certainly wasn't the worst episode of Breaking Bad, but I think, you know, this was also, it also happened, you know, besides being the end of, you know, maybe one of the greatest shows ever on TV, it was also the end of one of the best seasons of TV. I think this, certainly the back half of this last season was the strongest consistently that Breaking Bad had ever been. Um, so to have that kind of come to a close, I think feels almost anticlimactic compared to what we what we're used to with the show and what we were used to with this season um it's it's funny that you use the word anticlimactic because one of the things that i've been thinking about this uh episode and really the last two episodes is that they are not the climax i think ozymandias really served as the climax for the story and we got sort of an extended epilogue over right. the last two episodes so i guess is it the denouement yeah it's the denouement <laughs> And I think, you know, I think typically with people and finales, or I'll, I won't say people, I'll say me, I think of, um, I think of like big endings, but that Breaking Bad didn't go in that direction and it wasn't as bombastic as, say, Ozymandias. I think that's okay. And I think, um, I think generally as television viewing public, we put a lot of emphasis on the ending. Like I think we we consider it to be more than just another episode or just being the last episode. It has to be like it has to be this perfect piece that like perfectly sums up everything and wraps up every storyline and does kind of serves all of these purposes. And when it doesn't, it gets you know heavily heavily criticized. And if it does something ambiguous like The Sopranos, 
you know, it drives people nuts or, or it makes for some good discussion. Do, yeah, depending on the people. I, for one, love the Sopranos finale, but... What did you think about, you know, this episode, it is the end. It is not ambiguous. You, you know what happens. I think there is some ambiguity, ambiguity in there, but I think uh, Vince Gilligan wanted to make an ending that was like, you know, it's not cutting to black, and it's not a, you know, it doesn't end before it feels like the end. Like, they might as well put big letters, the end, over uh, Walt's body. <laughs> Yeah, over over the dead body of our protagonist. And like the layers sparkle a little bit, like a little blue sparkle to them. Mm. Oh, that would have been that would have been uh, touching. <laughs> um, I think I think the finale sort of recast the show in some ways for me, and one of the ways that I feel like it recast the show as even more definitively the story of Walter White. Um, I think like we uh, we've mentioned before, I think that Jesse really was underplayed in this finale. Um, and it didn't feel like the culmination of most of the other characters' storylines so much as it felt like we followed Walt to this point and this is the end for him. So this is the end of our story. Well, I felt like, you know, we kind of had the end of Skylar with that that fight in the street, basically. And, you know, this, I mean, I think it makes sense that this is this is Walt's episode, pretty much wall to wall. All the the involvement of the other characters is, um, you know, it's him dealing with his issues, not vice versa. So I think, you know, we see him go see Skylar for one last time, but he's going because he's saying goodbye for himself. And he, you know, he ultimately admits like a truth that everyone who's watched the show knows kind of about him doing it for him. But it's significant because he admits it. And I thought I think that's my favorite scene of the finale is. The whole, really, the whole scene with um, Marie's calling Skylar, and uh, Skylar is talking as if Walt isn't there, and then the conversation between Walt and Skylar, and how it's uh, it's very, very cold, but you also have Walt kind of uh, acknowledge who he is and who he's become and why he's been doing what he's been doing, and he's not trotting out the same. I'm doing it for my family. I'm doing it for my kids, and he finally admits it. And I think that was like a really well played scene. Um, by Brian Cranston, and yeah, that was that was I think my favorite part of this episode. What was what was your guys' favorite parts of the episode, Chris? Uh, I think for me it has to be the open with uh, Gretchen and Elliot. Uh, you want to talk about predictability? This sequence in which Walt just kind of quietly—I I didn't think we were going to see Gretchen and Elliot actually in person beyond the Charlie Rose interview. I thought that that was the last we were going to see of them, but to have Walt just kind of quietly poking around their house while they are going about their uh, daily life was one of the most tense and terrifying moments I think the show has ever crafted. And also a genuine surprise for a finale that while I loved, I will agree with you guys, was very, very predictable beat by beat. I did not see that coming, that Walt would figure out a way to, to in at least one aspect, win and be able to get the money to his family. And the plan is rather like so simply ingenious that it's one of those moments where you just kind of have to slap yourself upside the head and ask why you didn't think of that. But the scene itself is so well shot and builds the tension so well that uh, almost everything else throughout the entire episode, even when he is uh, at the mercy of Jack and his crew and doesn't have his little remote control um, turret launcher in his hand was the most tense 
moment of the evening for me was that sequence when he is with Gretchen Elliott because for a little while while he's just like going around like picking up pictures and just quietly like examining the house I really didn't know what he was going to do yeah um I I enjoyed both of those and I Chris I'll agree with you that uh that was maybe the one sequence of the finale that hadn't entered into my predictions in fact I was firmly of the opinion that we would not be seeing Gretchen and Elliott again um so to have them show up and to have that that scheme uh, un, unveiled was perhaps surprising, and I think the way it was staged, like you said, was was terrifying. But I think it it I have to agree with Sam in terms of my favorite moment of the finale. I think was was that Walt line that f- him finally admitting to Skyler that like no he did this for himself, um, and he did this you know because he needed something he was good at and it made him feel alive. Um, and I think, like, it was great to hear him admit something we've always known, but more importantly, one of the things that I think w- redeems this finale uh, in my mind and makes it, like, a, a really good episode of television, even as some aspects of it disappointed me, is that I think it's really an episode about Walter White actually finally changing um, and evolving as a human. Um, not, you know, I think some people have talked about the finale as, as Walt atoning, and I don't really buy that. I don't really buy the idea that he's redeemed himself by the end of the hour. But I do buy the fact that Walt changed and he he tried to make himself better in the end, which uh, that moment meant a lot to me. And I think it went a long way toward allowing me to overlook some other things that I didn't like so much about the finale. Well, I think like the part of the finale was just about, I think Walt wanted to do something right. I think part of hearing the Schwartz's talk about him on Charlie Rose put into some perspective about what he's become. Um, I do think the final plan put into place all happened. It all was executed like almost too perfectly. And it was very fortuitous that they trotted out Jesse when, you know, he didn't really need to be. I think uncle Jack was just like, I think what Walt just challenged him on being a partner of Jesse's. He's like, you think I'm a partner? I'll show you. Bring him out here, boys, right before we, and then we'll execute Walter. Um, it all seemed a little bit neat, but I want to talk about the like the very, very end of the, the episode because Walt gets shot, and we kind of know that he's going to bleed out and he's going to die, and he's he's admiring his uh, his uh, different uh, meth cooking. I guess his, I guess he's admiring the whole lab. And I think there's like a certain level of like pride on his face. I think there's or, a, there's an extreme level of pride on his face. I think that was one of the most self-satisfied expressions I've ever seen on an <laughs> actor ever. And, uh, but do you think like he should have had that? I mean, I feel like he's still kind of delusional at that moment. And as he dies, I mean, I believe the pride is there for what he's done and, and his work and what he's accomplished in terms of how much money he's made and, this kind of sort of empire he's built. But do you, I still feel like he's taking pride in something and all like the bad things he's done. That's part of it. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's like, I don't think that that the finale made Walter White into a good person. And I don't think it was trying to, um, I think, I think he was beyond redemption far before we got here. And I don't think that, that, that was really changed. Uh, yeah, I, I'll agree with what Jordan says. Like, I, I, I really liked that moment because it, it was very true to Walt's character in that, uh, you know, the things I liked about the finale was that um, you can't really put anything that happened to Walt into a single category. 
you can say he won in some aspects, but he really didn't win. It wasn't a complete victory. You can say he was um, a monster, but he wasn't a complete monster. I, like I, I was having this conversation with a friend of mine uh, when we watched the second to last episode where he was talking about the uh, the scene in the bar where Walt uh, was called Walter Jr. And Walter Jr. just went off on him. And after that, Walt called and turned himself in. Like my friend uh, said that the way he interpreted that scene was Walter walked in that bar and Heisenberg walked out. Um, but I, I think one of the things I liked most about the finale was like as much as Walt wanted to um, maybe – just go all out and do something that would leave his lasting legacy, like just be remembered for something. He he never could be completely in one box or the other. Like he was like at the very end, Walter White was a man. Like, yeah, his final act in the world was killing a lot of people. But at the very last moment, he, instead of killing Jesse, somebody who he had long ago just completely said he was going to sever ties with, had no... He also, he also gave like he the had, okay to kill Jesse. I mean, that was... Yeah, uh, yeah, it seemed like he had no compassion whatsoever for Jesse. But, like, in that moment when he sees his... Jesse, this person who has basically been his his backup through all these things, even though he's manipulated him terribly through this, this entire ordeal, when he sees what Jesse has gone through, like, as hard as he wants to be, he can't be hard in that moment. And so I think one of the things that the final the finale did so well and that this final season did so well is that it did not it refused to let us put Walt in a neat little box and just leave him there under one label or the other. Um, I want to I want to latch on to one thing in in particular that you said, because it it's aligned with something that I, I think is been a, com a part of the conversation the entire show, but especially I think resonated for me last night. And it's the idea of the of the Walt Heisenberg dichotomy which I feel like has always been sort of a fiction that we we all use as shorthand to talk about Walt doing bad things. Um, you know, I don't think anyone really thinks that Walt puts on the pork pie hat and becomes a different personality. Um, but what I liked about the finale is I feel like I feel like over the last the course of the season we've seen all of Walt's rationalizations be taken away, and I think Granite State last week sort of gave us Walt in purgatory, sitting and thinking. I think. Um, I don't think that Heisenberg was really the change that Walter White went through that we all try to label it as. I feel like Walt was always this angry, resentful person, and he just decided to stop restraining himself from being this Heisenberg. So I feel like if there's a big change that Walt goes through, it's what happens in that cabin when he when he thinks about what he's done and when he decides that uh, he you know he sort of comes to terms with the decisions he made. Not that they're good, but like the reasons he he did them that he's been you know lying to everyone and lying to himself about for so long. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely agree with the idea that um, there isn't really a distinction between them, maybe except for in terms of that last few episodes. I think Walt went back to New Hampshire with every intention of just being this hard image of himself that the world kind of saw at this point, because, like you said, the rationalizations were gone, and all that was left was to maybe just go out with a bang. And I... I, I to me, that's what I feel like Walt wanted to do. Like that was his intention. And the real um, big moment of the finale for me was this idea that no matter what he did, there's shades to him. There's shades to what everything that Walter White wanted to do. Yeah, the um, 
the satisfaction of just going off the handle and doing the things um, that a normal society wouldn't allow him to do. If he was just Walter White, it's like doing everything right, playing things by the rules and where that got him, like eschewing that and becoming this unrestrained criminal badass. Yeah, that is just that's just different shades of Walter White. It's all just different shades of Walter White. And I think that's something that the finale both as a season and as the final episode did very well in making very clear. Yeah. Um, okay. So we've talked a lot about the things that we really liked about the episode. I want to talk about some of the things you guys maybe didn't like quite as much. Uh, Sam, why don't we start with you on this one? Um, basically, I mean, I, you know, again, this is not like a huge problem. It's just something I've come to expect with breaking bad. It's that basically every time I've, you know, had some theory about what's going to happen next week on Breaking Bad. I've pretty much always been wrong. And, um, and leading up to this, the theory, my theory was, all right, he's going to go and he's going to shoot all the Nazis with the big gun to save Jesse and maybe poison Lydia with the ricin. And that's exactly what happened. So, I mean, to me, that felt kind of anticlimactic. It felt like, um, you know, I saw it coming, and I'm so used to with Breaking Bad never seeing anything coming. So it was it was a little bit of a shift. Again, I don't think the most important parts of the episode or the most important parts of the things we're supposed to take away from the episode are, you know, Walt killing Lydia or Walt killing all of the Nazis. Um, I think I think the very very end after he's been shot, being with all the equipment. And I think the conversation with Skylar and I even think the brief conversation with Jesse, all that was more important and I think worked. And all that was more important than the kind of action-y, murder-y, spy stuff. Though I did find uh, Jesse strangling Todd incredibly satisfying. (laughs) Uh, Satisfying if maybe a little bit too clean and evenly matched. I feel like another thing I thought about is like, well... Jesse wants to kill Todd the most, and Todd's sort of Jesse's dark mirror, and, you know, Walt has the biggest reason to kill Jack, and Jack's sort of, you know, the one he needs to take vengeance on, and then they both got to kill the one. You know, it felt very, like, action movie climax in that regard, uh, which perhaps it was supposed to. <laughs> well, I think it was supposed to It was supposed to be kind of a crowd-pleasing thing, and to some degree it was. I mean, seeing Walt shoot Jack as Jack was kind of, explaining him like oh you can keep me alive and that's where the money is and i feel like once upon a time on breaking bad that would have saved jack or a character like jack but i think we're supposed to get this kind of catharsis from walt just shooting him in the head as soon as he's trying to explain that and i think we get kind of a catharsis with jesse choking out um it's 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 funny jesse clements it's it's funny that you I, okay. I got I got to jump in here real quick because like one of my favorite things to come out of the Vince Gilligan interviews was the uh, revelation that the writers' room would uh, colloquially refer to Todd's character as Little Ricky Hitler, which I laughed for a good ten <laughs> minutes at when I read. I think that's that's pretty accurate. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I crap, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, right. um. You mentioned you mentioned uh, crowd pleaser, Sam, and I feel like that's also like we say satisfying, but I feel like crowd pleaser is also a term that I could easily use to describe this episode of television. Like sure. it felt a lot like like fan service and like, it, you know, that that Vince Gilligan was trying to give everybody pretty much what they wanted, which is not really what I would have 
Uh, you know, if you if you'd asked me last week, do I want the Breaking Bad finale to be a crowd pleaser? I feel like my answer would have been no. Um, but then again, you know, I don't know that it's necessarily a problem for it to end that way. Uh, Chris, what what were what were some of your least favorite things about the episode? Well, I'm just going off something you said for a second, I don't think fan service is quite the right word for what we saw last night. Because while I agree with you that everything was a little predictable and maybe neat, I think fan service implies a level of um, unnecessary or um, implausible. Whereas I think everything that happened in the finale was something that I that fans predicted could have happened that was one of the major theories on the table um and it, it it's it's not I, I don't think it's an unreasonable end for the series i don't think it was an unforeseen end i i just think it was maybe a little bit more of a bow than we would have wanted but at the same time i don't really know that i think that's a bad thing for this finale because I think fans have had so much time to game plan out every possible outcome that was plausible for these characters that a lot of the things like a a final twist might not have been terribly satisfying because I'm not sure what zig or zag the finale could have taken that would have felt so much of a natural conclusion to the build that we had been experiencing for the past season and indeed the past five seasons. Uh, but if I'm going to go for something like individual specifically that I didn't like, and I know that this is going to um, probably not be a popular opinion, but I could have <laughs> used a little bit more Jesse. Um, I really felt that uh, just a few lines from Aaron Paul was not enough of a send off for a character who uh, was almost as integral a part of this series as Walter White and who had experienced uh, not quite, but a very significant journey of change himself. I really could have used a bit of a coda for Jesse's story. I understand why they couldn't put it in there, but I still kind of wanted it. You think that's an unpopular opinion? I don't think that's unpopular (laughs) at all. I think a lot of people wanted more of Jesse, but I also think, you know, a little went a long way with Jesse. I I agree with that. I I definitely agree with that, but it still to me felt like that was the most unsatisfying part of the episode was I just, I just needed a little bit more. I can totally get that because like, um, I think I had even said another thing that I'd said is like, I don't know that I need to see Skylar in the finale because I feel like Skylar's story came to an end, but I feel like this last hour should really be a Walt and Jesse story because I feel like that was a relationship I really needed to see closure to. Um, ultimately, I guess like maybe part of the message is there was no, there was nothing to say of that relationship. You know, it was done. It was over. There was nowhere more to go after what they'd been through. Well, uh, I think well, I think they was, were able they were able to like service like service that with just the few lines that Jesse has while pointing the gun at Walt. I mean, Jesse's at the point where he never has to listen to Walt again, and he'll never do anything that Walt says that he wants ever again. And I think that is a set to me that was like a satisfying conclusion to Jesse because I think Jesse is kind of always has always been under Walt's thumb, and when he's like and when he bursts out, you know, it's freedom from you know, the Nazi imprisonment, but it's also freedom from Waltz. It's freedom from all of like the meth drug stuff too, which is why he's like, he's so overjoyed. I think, I think it's, you know, it's more than just getting out of the chains for Jesse. And I feel, and to me that felt satisfying. And I think they were able to do it um, with great efficiency. And, and they were in a spot with, with Jesse where he was kind of locked up. It would have been very, very tricky to have a lot of Walt and Jesse in the hour and 15 minutes 
given their circumstances. I also, yeah, I also think that they were in a situation where they've done it. They've done an arc with Jesse several times in the show where it's like he can't be pushed any farther. He's broken. Um, but I feel like if that was ever true, that's that was true in the last few episodes. <laughs> so I'm not sure you could really pull Aaron Paul back, you know, Jesse back from the brink for long enough to give him like a real meaningful conversation. Like I feel like this guy is is he's lost everything, probably possibly and probably including his sanity at this point. So where do you think Jesse goes? Uh, I'm not sure how long Jesse makes it once we see him break free. <laughs> I think he I was, goes back to the high school that we found Walt at, at the beginning of the series and starts teaching chemistry. <laughs> Someone has to explain to him that uh, chemistry is more than just how to cook math. Right. He literally just teaches all the kids <laughs> how to cook math. And he's like, I, I helped to make their way in the world. What I was curious about is, isn't Jesse going to be like wanted? Yes. He's going to be a wanted man. Cause I guess his only, chance of freedom was with hank although except no because jesse's tape was taken from hank's house so only hank and gomez knew about jesse which i just thought about right this second but <laughs> jesse's actually probably not a wanted man perfect yeah, that's very true yeah i i had assumed jesse's are gonna go to prison or get like killed or something terrible happen to jesse very soon but actually he might be okay <laughs> Yeah, I, I, go, I see, I see an Brock. ending for Jesse where there's not many people in his future. Like, I, I don't really see him ever really connecting with people ever again. I think just too much has happened with him. I think Little Jesse Brock. kind of becomes a recluse after this. I, Somebody's I think, got to raise that kid, Chris. It's I think it's the me. grandmother. I think it's the grandmother. <laughs> All I know is it's not going to be me. <laughs> I wouldn't be too sure about that, Jordan. <laughs> um, okay, so... Jesse, Jesse's role for you, Chris. I think uh, maybe the thing that I like the least about this episode, and it sort of ties into Sam's, is um, not necessarily the predictability of it, but I just felt like the plan went off too cleanly for me. Um, throughout the show, we've seen Walter White execute any number of plans, and they almost always go in some way awry. In fact, I think virtually always something goes wrong about them. And nothing really goes wrong in this plan tonight. Like, if you if you'd sat Walter down when he was sitting in that car at the beginning of the episode and asked him what you want what he wanted to happen, all of that happens in the episode. Um, and sure, like there's a second when he doesn't know if he's gonna be able to get to the keys, but it's not like the stakes for that never really worked for me because he was gonna get to his keys. Also, how did they not check the trunk of the car? Yeah, if they check everything else, you'd think they'd check the trunk. Like the way he wanted to park that car should have aroused more suspicion, considering how suspicious they already were. But I just think, yeah, um, I, I don't think it's necessarily uh, a flaw for the show because I feel like a plan can go off without a hitch. I just think it was unbreaking bad how well his plan worked and how flawlessly it went off. I mean, he got shot. Yeah, but he, he wanted to end up dead and he ended up dead. So, like, he wanted Jesse to shoot him, I guess. Um but he also, when he's asking Jesse to shoot him, already knows he's been gut shot. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, it was always a part of the plan because he tells Skylar that he's not, you know, he's not coming back where he's going. And and Jesse wasn't even supposed to be there. The plan was that he would just be in the room with all of them and they'd all get mowed down. It no, just I so think happened the plan was, was I think there. he wanted to get Jesse, too, with them. Because I, I think he went into that scenario with thinking that Jesse. Like he wanted to shoot Jesse? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think the machine gun was intended for Jesse as well. Yeah, I think the I think that that part of the plan only changed when he figured out that Jesse was getting the shit beaten out of him for the past six months. So he got to save Jesse too. Yeah, 
Right, so that's technically not part of his plan, but also, like, when it he works. makes a decision to save Jesse, it works out in his favor. Right. I mean, ultimately, yeah, I, I agree that there's there could have been more tension to that moment. Um, yeah, it was just... It was I, just I, don't know, I don't know that I really needed there to be, though. Like, I, 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 I struggle with this a lot, because, yeah, I agree with you that, it, aside from the opening sequence, there really wasn't a lot of tension to that hour of television, but... I don't really know that I needed a lot of attention at that late in the game. Yeah, it was very unbreaking badass, but I, I just really needed to see these characters get some very definitive and satisfying endings. And that's what I got from the finale. And even though that there wasn't like a big twist and turn and the plan didn't have to change on its feet like every three or four minutes, I was I was still pretty okay with what the way things went down because what I I think what really mattered was the way Walt made his own end. And I, I think the choices he made to get to that moment say a lot about the journey that he was on and where he finally ended up and what we can say definitively about Walter White. Uh, that that may be as good a place as any to transition out of the finale and into talking about the show as a whole. Um, but I do want to ask, is there any last thoughts about the finale specifically that you guys want to bring up before we move on to the show as a whole? I was happy to see one last moment with Badger and Skinny Pete. I gotta say that. Yeah. It was Absolutely. good enough. <laughs> yeah, it was, again, I'll, I'll reiterate my initial point, I think. It was satisfying to me. <laughs> um, cool, so this is this is a show that has been running for six years, I guess, five seasons. Um, has long been considered in the conversation for, like, the greatest TV show ever in the Pantheon that I don't really necessarily know how much time we want to spend discussing tonight. Personally, I feel like it's too early to try to place Breaking Bad anywhere in a spectrum, and I'd like to rewatch the show. Um... But I don't know. Before I shut down that as a potential conversation topic, do either of you have strong opinions on that? On where it lies in... On the show's legacy in terms of greatest greatest television show ever, quote-unquote, or, like, where it lies in a dramatic pantheon? Well, I just think it's kind of uh, just kind of interesting. Like, I think people are quick to kind of go, like, okay, where is it in my top five, top ten? Where is it? And um, I think I feel like it might be one of those things, like, you got to kind of wait yeah a little bit before you go like it's number three or <laughs> also the problem is like there's there's so much television and i feel like um you know everyone could have their own list of whatever it is but there's so much television i haven't seen and there's i'm sure there's a lot of television you two haven't seen there is and making a list is borderline pointless because you know if you go oh my top five it's uh, the sopranos the wire breaking bad mad men and uh, Ally McBeal. All right, those are my top five. But you haven't watched, you know, Deadwood or The Twilight Zone, or you know, Cheers or any of the like any show that was made before like 1990. I mean, there's like there's so much television on just now today. You know, you could say The Shield and Justified. There's like there's so much, and we're so uh, kind of close to it. There's like no critical distance with anything. Um, it's almost pointless. And what it also reminds me is that um, I feel like, I don't know why I just thought thought about this, but like, I feel like comedy gets a lot more respect in television than it does in movies. So like, if you talk about like the greatest television shows of all time, I feel like comedies, it's much easier to crack in there because I feel like comedies like Seinfeld, The Simpsons, and then you go back and you talk about like, um, Mash. you know, you talk about Mash, you talk about I Love Lucy, you talk about The Honeymooners, you talk about um, All in the Family, Cheers. 
And I feel like the like comedies are always much more in the conversation about great television than compared to to movies. I think I think that's true. Um, and I think part of that is that the sitcom was was fully formed a long time before the television drama, as we think about it now, was fully formed. Um, and obviously, there have been innovations in both throughout the medium. But I feel like I Love Lucy looks a lot more like uh, a drama that we watch today than virtually any drama of or a, a comedy that we watch today than virtually any drama of its period looks like a drama. It's pretty gritty. Today. I mean, it gets pretty gory. Yeah. Remember, remember when uh, Lucy chains up Ricky in that meth lab? Yeah. I, uh, Remember when I, little Ricky crucifies Ricky Sr. on the floor? Good one, little Ricky. I got. I gotta go back and challenge the statement that Jordan hasn't seen every television show out there ever. <laughs> it's funny. I was gonna. I was gonna make a joke that you had seen every TV show ever, Chris. <laughs> uh, no, I have very explicitly not seen every TV show ever. Um, I, I. I would love to. It's never gonna happen because there are infinite amounts of television out there. Um. But that's part of my general quixotic quest uh, for. Oh, I, got, I, I gotta say that um, I wanted to get I wanted to get started. I wouldn't be able to get through it this summer, but I wanted to get started on the Twilight Zone this summer, and it was only reinforced when um, I watched Talking Bad for the first and only time uh, after uh, the season finale. And Vince Gilligan was talking about how like uh, the Twilight Zone was a big influence, and how he wants like his show remembered like the Twilight Zone, and people will keep watching the Twilight Zone. It made me really want to watch The Twilight Zone because uh, I've talked about this, a few episodes. Yeah, we talked about this before, Sam, and I don't think we've talked about it for on the podcast. But I really think we should do a summer watch next year, uh, and The Twilight Zone is the, what you suggested, yeah. um, and I think it's a great idea to do like a, a podcast watch during the summer. So I think we should do that. I feel like it, as as far as like influential shows goes, that's got to be. One of the most influential shows has got to be up there with The Sopranos, which I think people. And I, I have seen uh, most of, but I don't think even all of the first season of The Twilight Zone, and then scattered other episodes. Yeah, and I think those episodes—they're either on Netflix. Watch, you know, some of it I think is on Netflix, and I think I'm they sure the rest. Of it. We'll figure that out. Yeah. Um, I want to, I want to, I, I want to disagree with the idea that we can't build personal TV canons um, because we haven't seen everything, which I don't think is actually even what you meant. Um, no, not but, really. Yeah. But I don't disagree me, with it anyways. For, I'm gonna me, just it, it, it for anyway. me, it just feels like, you know, the other day I was reading, you know, online and a friend of mine, he kind of posted on Facebook and he's like, my, my three, like three best shows. He went, he went, uh, The Wire, Mad Men, Breaking Bad. And, you know, like, that's fine. But at the same time, I, I just, I look at the list and I'm like, oh, you haven't seen The Sopranos. You haven't seen Deadwood. You haven't seen all this stuff. And it's like, so it, to me, it's just like I, I could have my favorite shows I have now, but it's like, who knows? It'll change, in, you know, by next year. I, I, you know, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer wasn't on my radar until, uh, till early this year when I went through and watched it, and it's definitely one of my favorite shows ever. And Veronica Mars, I didn't watch until this year. So yeah. it's, um, I don't know. It's hard to make lists. I think. I think. Yeah. I, I, first of all, I would yell at someone for putting Mabin on their list just because it's not done yet. But that's just my own OCD tendency, not like <laughs> condemning anyone else's list making of their favorite TV shows. For me, it's like the show has to end first and then I have to like give it a long time. I have to rewatch it and think about it. And like. Uh, but that's, you know, that's how I. I clown college in the last season. 
Yeah, right, exactly. Like, the last season could entirely be set, like, Dawn lives on the moon now. Uh, <laughs> Which would be pretty awesome. <laughs> right, like, and it could be, like, the greatest final season ever with Dawn living on the moon. Or it could be, like, Dawn becomes a serial killer in Miami. You know, you never know. The last season uh, it's been done. It's Dexter. Star Trek, the original series-esque. Dawn just bangs <laughs> a lot of green slave girls. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I would say, like, Breaking Bad, I think, is an excellent television show. I think it ended 72 hours, not even 72, 48 hours ago, basically. Um, Don't I'm, tell them when yeah, we're recording this story. Say, it ended in the last few days, okay? I'm not going to date anything. You guys, the government is still shut down. As of, like, the second half of this podcast, the government is still shut down. Uh, it ended a few days ago. I'm not willing. To, I'm not willing to pass judgment on this series as a whole yet. That being said, let's talk about the series as a whole. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I, I'll say that, you know, um, trying to think of a good way to put this. I think Breaking Bad, for what it for what it was, as a pure thriller. It was an absolute joy to watch. And I, I, there was like a level of excitement that I've never experienced with a television show that I, I experienced with Breaking Bad, with any show. And week to week, you know, what it did as a thriller to me. I mean, the, the Breaking Bad has always been like a plot machine. It, it moves like crazy. It's like, it's, you know, it's always paired with Mad Men, partially because, you know, they're both really good shows and they're both on AMC but they're like incredibly different and they do things very, very well and very, very differently. I think Mad Men, you can probably compare closer to the Sopranos. Um, yeah. Sometimes almost identically to the Sopranos, yes. which is a different uh, conversation. <laughs> I'm sure that'll be a conversation in like 2015 when Mad Men wraps up and it's two part season. We can, talk yeah. about, we can talk about, that's another podcast. We can talk about why that's a terrible idea, I think, but why talking about Mad Men and Sopranos is a terrible idea. No, no, no. Why breaking up Mad Men into two. Oh, we already talked seasons. about that last podcast. Listeners know we I'm, talked about that. Well, I am not a listener. I am a participator. Oh, were you not there? When I we was talked not about there. That? Oh, well, I just always assume Sam's in the background somewhere. Are you are you pro? Quick, quick aside, are you pro? No, God, no. I don't know. So, someone's pro. Someone at AMC, AMC is pro. Because AMC is counting its money from Breaking Bad's 10 million viewers on Sunday night. But it's such a different type of show. But I think like it kind of worked for a show like Breaking Bad, even though I wasn't a huge fan of the first half of this season, uh, the last season. I think Breaking Bad was so propulsive, and it was never... You know, oh, you know, you gotta, you gotta wait six episodes before you get into the meat of the season. I mean, you start with the season premiere, and you're like, I am in, I am all in, no half measures. <laughs> and I, I think, as as a television watching experience goes, I think it's kind of unparalleled in terms of uh, excitement, unpredictability, and of course, you know, all the performances were there, and it's great writing, and it's a, a beautiful show. You know, it'll always be in the upper pantheon. I don't know where in the upper pantheon, but um, get back to me when I watch Deadwood. You uh, you mentioned the repulsiveness of it, which is something that is always stuck with me. When I watched the pilot of this show, which I think was great, um, by the way, I think it was. I think it's it definitely has like an all time great pilot in my mind. Absolutely. Fantastic. When I watched yeah. that pilot, I was like, where the hell is this show gonna go? It's already like it's one episode in and it's gone this far. And yet like that's it laughable. Was nowhere. Consider, right. <laughs> yeah. It's it's laughable if you consider how far it went after the pilot. Um, and just every episode I was watching in that first season. And I think like the first season is definitely not the show's best, but in that first season and, and on, it's just, it was always like, where the hell are they going to go from here? 
and they always figured out a way. Um, in the early seasons of the show, before I was sure I was confident in them, I was always like, this thing is going off the rails. Like, they're going so fast, and they're going so furious, to reference, I don't know, the greatest film series of all time, right? That, um, that is, a, you're making a joke about it, but that is another conversation for a different podcast that I actually want to have. Well, I'd have to watch any of those <laughs> movies to have that conversation. You, you should. But well, again, like that's not detracting this. Yeah. We all agree that Fast and Furious is the best racing franchise there is. We're not we're not having this conversation this podcast. We are going to have this conversation though. <laughs> okay. Um. Well, maybe some someday you'll make me watch those movies and we can talk about them. For now, though, yeah, I agree with you, Sam. About like this is this was the fastest moving show on TV for virtually all of its run, with the possible exception of season four, which I do think slowed down a little bit. Um. Chris, any thoughts on that? Uh, just that it was a very, very character-driven thriller. And it, it's very hard in my mind because when I think thrillers, I don't really think of the genre of television very often. So I, I think it's very impressive to have such a character-driven thriller that maintained its level of excitement, intensity, and uh, great character work throughout the entirety of its run. I don't, I can't really think of another show that was quite like that quite fits that bill the way breaking bad does yeah um so we've talked about the pacing of it another thing that i wanted to touch on is um and this is something that i think drove some people crazy as the show went on but i always loved was the the pulpiness of this show um breaking bad was a show that was to some extent realistic but it also was willing to go you know to dive into things like the cousins and they're crawling across the desert in Mexico and that this this deeply surrealistic flash forwards in season two t- with a teddy bear um, and, you know, giant magnets and great train robberies. And it was just, it was willing to, to dive into all the pulp of crime fiction that I am a huge fan of. And I loved that about the show. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I, that was one of my favorite episodes, the favorite um aspects of the series was the fact that it did wasn't afraid to shed a little bit of its grittiness to go to some of these more outlandish absurd areas but at the same time while these things are outliers i wouldn't ever call them completely out of character for the show because the show kind of established itself as this pulpy gritty world where both of these things existed both of these uh tones kind of existed simultaneously and harmoniously with each other i i never found that off-putting about the show for me it was always an ad and like i I think some of my favorite crime dramas and crime fiction is always the is always uh properties that kind of straddle that line that don't take themselves completely seriously that don't completely mire themselves down in grit and aren't afraid to maybe take a few chances here and there or have a little fun here and there. So I always loved that about the series. I know that not everyone did, but for me, that was definitely always a positive aspect. Sam. Um, I mean, I always kind of embraced kind of when it got a little wacky, I kind of just took it in stride. It was never a show that I'm like, Oh, this is uh it never had to be super realistic. If someone like complains about, I can't really complain about like the verisimilitude of the last episode. I can, I can complain about the predictability and how neat it was, but the show's always been kind of, you know, it's always kind of based in science, but it's, it never claims to be like to the T perfect science, perfect fact. 
you know, they had the, I think it was the first half of the last season where they have the, the truck with the magnets in it that like goes through and like erases the laptop, which mm-hmm. was, which was insane and pretty impossible. Um, but you know what? I, I, it was, it was always fun. And, you know, I think it, it kind of got forgotten in the later seasons, but the beginning of the show, it was kind of like, just like a black comedy almost. Um, and obviously it took a turn uh, exactly when, I don't know, but it, it, it was always kind of like a funny show somewhere in there. And I think it, it kind of got deeper and deeper in there. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it had a sense of humor even even in the finale. Sure. And sometimes it was a cosmic sense of humor, but... Sure. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think it kind of receded a little bit, but it, it's always been a part of the show to have humor. Um, I think it was kind of more there. I think kind of one of the, the iconic images, a humorous image of Walt kind of in, in his tidy whities you know, in the desert standing there. It's almost, it's kind of an image you'd have of his character, Hal, from Malcolm in the Middle. It's the, uh, it's the funniest attempted suicide ever. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, um, so we talk about, like, the, the pulpiness of it, and I wanted to also talk about, um, this is something that I, I often associate with uh, noir, and especially with, like, Elmore Leonard stuff. I feel like this show was always incredibly good, and I think it's been talked about, but not necessarily as much as I'd like to see it talked about. The show was always incredibly good at creating, like, distinct and interesting villains, whether they be minor or major. Like, every every antagonist that we came across in the show was really interesting, I think, fairly immediately. I don't think the the, the twins were, and I think that's why they got rid of them. Right. I would, Yeah, I would say, I think the twins were interesting, like, in terms of they felt like they added a mythology to the show, like... They seem they seem mythical uh, in their just you know their their quest for vengeance and they just they seemed otherworldly and that was interesting but that only lasts for like three or four episodes <laughs> and I feel like they figured out like well the only thing that's cool about the cousins is that they are completely mysterious but you can't keep a character mysterious and keep them around which is why I think you see season three sub in Gus for the cousins as the bad guy about halfway and through. Gus was great. I think Gus is kind of an all-time great big bad. He's um... He was a great character. I think the introduction of Mike, I mean, this was a show that expanded its universe brilliantly. I mean, think about all the characters we meet, you know, compare season one to where we end up. All of like the characters people love on Breaking Bad, Gus, Mike, Saul, Jewel for Christ's sakes. Everyone's, everyone's favorite. favorite yeah, everyone's yeah. favorite. We said it at the Intrals. same time because it's true. <laughs> I, I also um, think it's very rare for a series to, um, really give you an interesting villain for the end like especially if it's not a villain who's been with you for the entire series but like while we're talking about villains i think that todd and like nathan fillion and buffy (laughs) well okay yeah and the first um but that's again another conversation and the first which was like uh, okay we could we can talk about how the things we like and don't like about season seven of buffy later guys quick buffy podcast yeah, but why that, is it so easy to kill all of the other super vampires, but so hard to kill the first one? Yeah, but but that's my point. Like this idea that like you will probably identify the best villain of a show like Buffy as a villain that came earlier in the run. Like I wouldn't say that Tom and Lydia topped well uh, topped Gus Fring as maybe the most interesting villain that Breaking Bad had, but they were still great, really interesting, really compelling villains for the final season and characters sure. that I wish that we had spent more time with and that's a reaction i very rarely have to the the final big bad of the show if we haven't been introduced to them earlier on in the show's run well i think of, and i just think of like uh 
even small characters like Don Eladio or, uh, to a certain extent, Hector. Like, these are characters who we spent very, very little time with and don't really get to know what characters at all. And they're, they still seem to resonate beyond their, their role in the show as, like, these larger-than-life figures and also as, as sort of these iconic bad guys. Um, sure. Even though, like, you know, we only see Hector speak in flashback ever. Um, yeah. So I just I, I just think that's something that that impressed me throughout the run that I wanted to highlight. Um, no, I, I would definitely agree with that. Uh, d- can I bring up something? Ab- yeah, of course. <laughs> okay, so I, I want to talk about for a minute. Like, did you guys start watching Breaking Bad from the beginning when as it originally no. aired, or did you no. catch up? Okay, so that that brings us to something that I've been seeing talked about in some of these um, Legacy of Breaking Bad articles that have been popping up in multitudes on every pop culture website around the internet which is this idea of how Breaking Bad was a show that really fed into and was fed by the Netflix binge-watching culture that kind of developed. And it's really almost a flagship show for that type of television watching. Uh, What do you guys think about that? Did you guys binge-watch to catch up on Breaking Bad? And do you think that its availability on Netflix contributed to its um, really swelling popularity as time went on? Oh, absolutely did. Um, I, I, cause I mean, I, you, the, the, the last season of the show, I think ratings wise, it grew tremendously. And I think that just came from people just catching up and word of mouth. And they're like, you gotta watch the show. You gotta watch the show. And then, and now it's so easy to catch up on a show like this because you have the internet, you have Netflix, you have Hulu plus, you have all this stuff. There's no way you can't. And I know I was talking to my brother on the phone earlier today and I asked him about Breaking Bad and he's like, oh yeah, I'm on season three right now. And he's like kind of like binging through. Um, and I feel like, you know, when there was a show maybe before, even before like TiVo and stuff, and you know, you'd, it, it would, you'd kind of catch it word of mouth, but it would be very, very difficult to catch up on it unless you had like the DVDs. And if, and if it were talking before DVDs and VHS, then you kind of just got to watch. Um, well, and but also- now it's so easy to catch up. Everyone caught up for the finale that really worked at it. And people who didn't catch up, you're lazy. And- <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though, that two of the four people that I watched uh, the final season with had not seen an episode of Breaking Bad a month ago. Like, literally, two of them watched all of it in August, uh, running up to the uh, fifth season premiere. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, I guess end of July, early August, whatever. Like, they, they watched it very, very quickly to, to catch up for the final season. Um, and I, I, for one, like, I was someone who watched The Sopranos. Uh, I didn't have HBO when The Sopranos was on. And I watched that as the DVDs came out. But the problem is, like, the DVDs came out after the next season had started often. Mm-hmm. So I found myself, like, I would never be able to actually catch up and watch the show live because of the way that it worked. Right. You just, I, like, I always had to watch that show when it came out on DVD. Um, and I did, uh, I didn't start watching Breaking Bad live week to week until its third season. And in fact, um... I actually think I didn't start watching it live each week till about halfway through its third season, which is why I didn't start writing about the show until its fourth season, because I think I had it T-voted and just hadn't watched it yet when season three started. And I definitely binge-watched until I caught up. Um, and I think that this is a show that, I don't know, I don't know that it benefits more than, than any other show, but it definitely is one of the shows that uh, most lends itself to binge-watching, I think. Sure. Well, it's like what we talked about. I mean, it's so propulsive, and... Think about how many times we've watched an episode of Breaking Bad as it aired live, and we're going to go, oh my god, I need to know what happens now! I need, I need to watch now! 
Right. And like at the end of at the end of last week, you're like, oh my god, I want it right now. I can't wait for the finale. And the week before, when he gets in the van, I mean, it's pretty much every week. And when you have it, when you have easy access to uh, drugs, you're gonna just take it because why not? And Netflix kind of gives you that fix. It gets you that next episode. You don't have to wait. And it was and to me, um, I guess the last TV show I did this with, I did this recently with The Sopranos, and I did it with. Um, Buffy and it was it was it, it's just so easy to just get lost in an afternoon or at night just watching like five episodes or six episodes and if you're like insane and stay up really late like I do you can watch even more than that <laughs> um, and now this summer I started The Shield and I kind of have taken a break but because there's so much TV on right now Gonna, I'd really like that's that's shield. one of my next big projects I think the shield. Yeah. Yep. I, I, um, I watched the first two seasons and they're really good and I I would just sit in my computer and just just kind of mow through three at a time. Um, while a we're talking so. while we're talking about binge watching I feel like we should bring up Sam perhaps our greatest co binge watching story which I guess I'd already seen it so I don't know if it counts as co binge watching. It was but... binge watching for me it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. Yeah the uh, the what I I believe it's like a forty eight hour period in which we watched the first two, three seasons of How I Met Your Mother. I think we watched like three seasons of How I Met Your Mother. And it in was, like two days. It was amazing and sad at the same time. <laughs> and Sam also ate like an entire, like, what was it, like two pounds of Cheez-Its? It, it was a two-pound box of Cheez-Its, which I don't know why anyone owns, but Jordan had it in his house. <laughs> and I, I think my mom bought food. it when she found out that I was bringing friends home for a break. Yeah. She, you're bringing Sam home. Get the, get the two pounds. Get the two-pound Cheez-Its. <laughs> One pound won't get it done. And it didn't. It didn't get it done. And that was, you know, that is really one of my favorite television watching experiences. And I really fell in love with How I Met Your Mother. It was so, so good. And it's part of the reason why I think we talk about it so much. Right. And I think that's why we talk about it with such bitterness now is because our love for it was so pure back then. (laughs) Well, and it was so strong. I mean, if, if How I Met Your Mother was always kind of a bad show, A, we wouldn't we wouldn't make it this far and keep watching. And if it wasn't as such a good, great show, we wouldn't talk about it and we wouldn't care. Um, and we, and that's why we really care. I think, imagine if Breaking Bad got really, really bad. Imagine it was on Showtime and the third season of Breaking Bad. It's like, you know what? I'm going to go to Mexico and then start doing cocaine instead of making meth. And they do something really stupid or something. And, I, you know, there'd be like a bitterness there and an anger because it's something you love so much. And that's kind of what happened with How I Met Your Mother. And that's kind of what happened with Walter White. It is kind of what happened with Walter White. <laughs> to bring it all back. We've Although, come full circle, and we've talked about How I Met Your Mother, so we have fulfilled our podcast quota. Yeah, our mandate. We can check that box off. It's funny that you bring up Showtime because it is like um, watching Homeland and now watching Masters of Sex, which is like my favorite pilot of the fall. I think Masters of Sex was really good. Um, I except I immediately think like, fuck, it's on Showtime. Like if this was an HBO <laughs> show, I'd be so excited. But now I have to like, in Masters of Sex season four, it's going to be like, and now we have swords. Well, the thing is what, what gives me some confidence about Masters of Sex is that it's based, you know, on real people. And there is like, you know, it is set in 1956 and that's where it starts and it has to get to a certain point. So there's like, there's a historical framework that it can't go from. The big question is, you know, we know they're not going to do anything like super crazy, like, you know, Lizzie Kaplan's going to decide to become like an assassin or anything. But like, although as a separate show, that sounds awesome. That would be great, but <laughs> not on Masters of Sex. 
It's still loosely based around Party Down, though. It's basically just a new season of Party Down, which Lizzie Kaplan is an assassin. And Michael Sheen. She kills the party guests. Yeah. Um, and Michael Sheen is her handler. Yeah. Guys, we need to go to Showtime right now. Right. <laughs> this sounds like we're going to do the show for eight season. It'll be good for three. Yeah. That, and see, my problem is I don't think like any Showtime show got bad from necessarily insanity except Weeds. I feel like they get bad because Showtime's like, this makes money. Here's sure. 50 yeah. more seasons. Like, Dexter could have been an okay show if it hadn't gone on for eight years. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's really neither her nor there because Breaking Bad was not on Showtime. <laughs> but you, you know what? Breaking Bad, Breaking Bad had an end. I mean, It did. Right. And that's one of the things that I think is great about it. Well, no, but I think one of the things that's great about it is Vince Gilligan from the beginning was very open about, like, this is a show with a timeline. We have a beginning, a middle, and an end that we want to tell. And despite the fact that AMC, you know, broke up the last season and ended up giving him a couple extra episodes, he did exactly the ending that he wanted. I mean, he got to he got to say, I will end the show here, and it's over. And even though it's become a huge rating success, and on a show like Showtime, or on a channel like Showtime, there will be a lot more pressure to keep it going, he got to dictate when the show ended and, and watch it come to its conclusion. And whenever you have just... If having more seasons dictates, you know, having more seasons just to do it because it's profitable, it's not always the best thing. I mean, it's not necessarily like a death knell. I mean, I think shows can go on for a little while. I just think it's very, very, very difficult to do. Well, especially if you're heavily serialized. Sure, exactly. Um, But, you know, Saturday Night Live can go on for the rest of our lives, I think. Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Doctor Who can go on for the rest of our lives. Maybe it will. I'd like. I I would be very happy if it did. I'd like there to be Guys, thirty doctors. We're ignoring How I Met Your Mother. I think that yeah. also has another twenty seasons left in it. But they, you know what? They have their endpoint. I'm sure they were like, it's going to go nine seasons. Ted's not going to meet the mother until the last season, or I guess the last episode, technically, probably. Even though we've met the mother in the last season. Oh, and Marshall's <laughs> not going to be in any of the episodes. Right. He'll be with uh, Sherry Shepard. Yep. But not any of the people. Sherry that Shepard, our favorite new character. Learn to love him being around. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, and you. Oh, Chris, did you see? Guess who's coming back next week? <laughs> Patrice. Uh, I, Don't tell Chris that oh, he's going to kill himself before the episode oh, airs. Oh. Um. So I think we've we've gone off the rails for a while now. Um. Perhaps we can... Any last words on Breaking Bad before we close down what will almost certainly be our last Breaking Bad segment ever, probably, unless we do, like, a let's talk about great television retrospective in, I don't know, 15 years. Needed more Patrice. I I, I just want to say, uh, and I think this is something we talked about in a few past podcasts, was what what a powerhouse cast coming out of this yeah. show. I think we're eagerly awaiting to see where each and every one of these actors and actresses lands because it, you, speed. it it's it's really hard to pick an individual like breakout performance from this show because once you do, it's almost like, oh, and this person, and this person, oh, and this person too. It's like it's hard to stop once you start because it there really isn't a weak link in the bunch because everyone is just put in, I think, a performance of their career in this show. This has been the Review Name Podcast. 
I have been Jordan, and I did it.